What do you think is the one thing that is missing in church life at the moment today? And it's pretty easy for today. Um, we are missing our building. Um, but the author R.C. Sproul says this, people in awe never complain that church is boring. What he's saying is that the sense of awe and wonder is often missing from church life. And we've already been kind of touching on some of that already today. And today, as we pick up in our Exodus series, as Faith said, um, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 19. So grab your Bible. Um, unfortunately, because we are so low tech today, um, we don't have the words to uh, track along with. So um, maybe you can pull it up online or on a phone, or if you do have a Bible handy, grab it. So we're going to read Exodus chapter 19. And we're going to see that God wants his people to see uh, him and have an, a sense of awe and wonder amongst him. That he has saved Israel in our narrative, but he saved us to come and know him in his presence in such a way that we experience awe and wonder. So we're going to read all of chapter um, Exodus uh, 19. And so let's uh, let's dive deep or deep dive into the passage. On the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the, the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourself have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak to you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down to Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people and you shall set limits for the people all around saying, take care not to go up to the mountain or to touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord and look and many of them perish. And also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, 
The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, go down and come up bringing Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. We, uh, we pick up the narrative here after the end of chapter 17 with the battle with the Amalekites. And they arrive here, the people of God, in the wilderness of Sinai. And they encamp before what we read in verse three, the mountain, Mount Sinai, where they're going to stay for a while now. And as they arrive, God speaks to the people through Moses in verse four. He says. Thus, uh, he says, you yourself have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Last week, we saw how God is now starting to move in the narrative of Exodus towards what the people are going to become and look forward to who they're going to be. But before we really get into any of that, he's saying, I want you to take a moment and look behind you and see all it is that God has done. To look at how uh, this phrase, I bore you on eagles wings. Isn't that a wonderful phrase? That God bore his people on eagle's wings. He swooped underneath them, picked them up. And then like the flight of an eagle, so smooth and serene and almost like magisterial, soaring together to this point. I wonder if you'd ask the people of God at this point, if you would please describe to me the journey that you have had from going from living in Egypt all the way to this point. I'm not sure that the first phrase that they would be reaching for would just be like, oh, it was like smoothly soaring on the wings of eagles. It was so smooth, so effortless. I'd imagine the phrase that they would be using or an image that might come to, to their mind would be like, you know, those roads that you sometimes see on the side of a mountain, like a death road and like a car going along it with two wheels just over the edge, a road full of potholes and a car like with tripped out suspension, just being thrown all over the place with Pharaoh refusing to let them go and increasing their workload and then plague after plague after plague, Pharaoh being unmoved and just thinking, are we just going to be stuck here forever? And then when they were trapped between the Navy seal uh, chariot riders of the Egyptian army on one side and the sea on the other side, I don't remember them at that point saying, oh, we're just soaring on the wings of eagles with God. But through it all, God wants them to know every moment was part of this soaring journey, him carrying them. Every perceived setback that they went through, every moment of panic, every time they thought God has just disappeared, he's not in this. God was not just aware of it. He didn't just see it, but he was carrying them. He was with them, bearing them all the way to this point. How we see our circumstances is not the same as how God sees them. I know many people in this uh, connected to this call, you would have individual stories of how I've been able to look back on my life and been able to see that moment where I, it seemed like I was at breaking point, that moment where it felt like God had completely left the scene and had abandoned me. Now, maybe a few years on, I can look back and I can see actually God really was. He was bearing me on his wings through all of the difficulties. This is such a comfort and a strength to us. If you are going through life and it just feels like I'm been tossed around, feels like I just don't know what's going on. 
we can have confidence that there is a moment coming where we will be able to look back and say, God actually was, he was bearing me on his wings. He was orchestrating it all, just like here. And orchestrating it for a specific purpose, bringing them to a destination. That's how he finishes verse four. He says, and I picked you up with sword on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. He did it all. All of this work of the Exodus, this saving, redeeming work was for a purpose so that his people would arrive here at him. He is the destination for them. He's saying this life that I have saved you for that we're beginning now, this is life with me. A life where in verse five, it says, you shall become my treasured possession among all the people, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, all of those things. And it's all going to happen through you being with me. And so he begins to draw them into this relationship with him, with this meeting at the mountain. Verse nine starts to set it up. He says, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud. God saying to his people, I am coming. I want to be with you. And he's saying it to Moses, but his intent here is is clear. He's saying, I'm coming to you that the people may hear when I speak. So far, this has been a specialist or a special privilege of Moses to be able to hear the voice of God. And now he's saying to this whole people, all of the people, all two million of them, you are now going to hear the voice of God. This is not, oh, we're all going to now kind of get an inner sense of what God might be saying, or we're all feeling a prompting from God of the direction he might want us to take. No, no, no. In their ears, they are going to hear the audible, booming voice of God. The voice that spoke the whole world and creation into motion, the voice that made them speaking to them. And not just hearing his voice, the distant heavenly boom, but in verse 11, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. God wants to be heard. He wants to be seen. There is a reason why in 2017, this smallish company that you may have heard of before called Zoom, don't know if you've ever come across Zoom, um, valued was valued at that point at $1 billion, which is not actually that much money. And then fast forward just a few years, and it was then valued at $160 billion in the height of the pandemic. Because as a people, we quickly realized that to be able to hear one another and be able to see one another at the same time, to be able to do this is fundamental to relationship and connection. And it is exactly what God is doing here. It's not enough for him, the almighty God, to be able to hear and see all of the people and all that's going on. He wants them to hear and see him like an actual relationship. And he wants the people to get close, as close to him as they possibly can. That's what we see going on in verses 10 through to 15, as God says to them, consecrate themselves. And in verse 12, set some limits on how the people can approach. What God is wanting to communicate here is that he is actually God himself really going to come down amongst them. God is going to be in their midst. This is not going to be some kind of trick of the light or going to see him in a dream or even some kind of angelic manifestation. It is going to be God, the being of God with them. And God's saying, I really do want you to come close. 
but I don't want you to come too close. Because if you come too close, if you come too near the mountain, if you touch the edges of it, you are going to be completely consumed. This is what it means in verse 22 and 24, where it says, don't let the people come too close or the Lord will break out against them or amongst them. What it's saying is he is God. And as God, he is completely holy, completely pure. And they, as people who have been marred by the effects of sin, lived imperfect lives, are not. And what God is wanting to communicate here is, if God really is going to come and be amongst them, the almighty God of the universe, the I am who I am that we have seen already in this series, if he is going to come in all of his purity, all of his glory, the full measure of his uncontainable power and might brought to bear in his creation, if he comes into contact with the impure and the unclean, how do you think that's going to go? And actually what we see in how God communicates is what's at the forefront of his mind is he wants them to know him in a way that will not consume them. The way he keeps repeating these limitations through the passage, even in verse 21, he says to Moses, like, go back down the mountain and remind them. It's like, I want you to be safe. Even uses the phrase, take care. And at the same time, he wants them to come as close as possible. It's all set up so that the people can truly meet with him in a real way. And he finally says, be ready on the third day. And Moses then repeats that again in verse 15, be ready, creating this sense of anticipation and expectation. Be ready to meet with God. Don't just drift into this. Be ready. You're gonna, this is going to change you. And then as the third day dawns, they are awoken by this sound of thunder. And they look from where they are in the camp, which is a way away from the mountains. They're here, the mountains over there. And, and they look over and they see the lightning and the thick cloud, just as God said he was. And then they hear this blast of the trumpets. And even now, far away, the people tremble at what they're seeing. And Moses then leads the people towards the mountain from the camp. All two million of these people. And I mean, they were trembling before. I can only imagine what it felt like step by step by step to be getting closer to this thing. They make it. And as they take their stand at the base of the mountain, they come. And as it says quite clearly in verse 17, they come to meet God. This great mountain towering before them, lightning flashing, booming of thunder, wrapped in smoke and cloud. In verse 18, we then read the thick smoke went up like smoke of a kiln. And then it says the whole mountain trembled greatly. A trembling mountain as it, as it kind of starts to buckle beneath the weight of its author and its creator coming to rest upon it. This loud trumpet blast they heard in the distance. Now as they come, verse 19, the sound of the trumpet gets louder and louder and louder in their ears. It's like this complete immersive engagement and overpowering of their senses. They see the looming mountain and the, the cloud and the lightning. They hear the trumpet and the thunder, they even smell the smoke and the fire. And they feel, of course, the, the shuddering and the quaking of the mountain. We know that this experience for them was a kind of terrifying one. From what we read, that everything within them is like screaming, I, I want to run from this. 
but we also see something about this so compelling that they wanted more. That's why God has to keep warning them, like, don't try and like get a bit closer and look in because it, it will consume you. Like, people are thinking like, this, this thing might kill me, but so captivating is his glory and his holiness. It's just like, I want to get near. I think this picture of the majestic encounter with God and just his undiluted holiness and glory, I think it's just one of the hardest aspects of God's nature for us to try and get our heads around today because it's so different to our experience, isn't it? I can't imagine that many people today thought, I'm feeling quite nervous about connecting to the Zoom call because I'm worried that the glory that is going to be present there might just consume me. I'd imagine there's perhaps other reasons for feeling like you're not wanting to connect. Probably that wasn't the top one. Or even just on a normal Sunday, you're probably not thinking, I don't want to sit too close to the band because it might be my last Sunday if I do. We have no lightning or thick clouds on our Sunday meeting. And if you're thinking, well, that sounds like quite good biblical justification for a smoke machine in church. Um, it is not. It's hard for us to grasp because things have changed. This side of the coming of Jesus, the leading edge that we rightly emphasise and talk about a lot is the welcome of God, the accessibility of God. And quite literally, the New Testament talks about not about limits coming up, but limits coming down. And Jesus has torn down barriers of access for us. But I think sometimes in our desire to emphasise that, we have to make sure that we don't lose this, that our God is a holy God. He was and he is, and always will be, a consuming fire of glory. And the really good news is, if we know Jesus, we never have to fear being consumed by him. And yet he does want us to see this is who he is. He not only wants us to know him and experience him as faithful friend and loving father, but he wants us to encounter him in awe in reverence and yet even to see him in a way that makes our souls tremble not because we're scared but because we rightly recognize to pinch a phrase from c.s lewis we recognize the sheer weight of glory of the one that is before us that we find ourselves in the presence of and it's good for us to rediscover i think some of this trembling before god because it's essential for our growth essential for our discipleship Listen to how Moses talks in the next chapter. We'll get a little bit more of this next week as Martin takes us into the Ten Commandments. But just for now, in verse, uh, verse 20 of chapter 20, this is what Moses says before the people as they tremble in fear. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. Moses is saying you need the fear of God to not sin. And Paul says something really similar in the New Testament to us, to the church, in Philippians 2. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. That working out, living out our faith, if you like, requires fear and trembling. Because it's in that place that he works in us. As we find ourselves in a place where our hearts are humbled by Look how big God is and the might of his power and the, the sheer purity of his holiness. We are changed. Simply put, to be a holy nation, these people, they need to encounter a holy God. 
he is forming his people into being a people of his presence. And not just to keep them at a distance, but we see here he is beginning to welcome his people right in. Verse 20 of chapter, uh, chapter 19. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. Now, this must have been quite something. Aside from the fact that Moses is 80 years old at this point and the top of Mount Sinai is 7,000 feet tall. And in this chapter, in the next chapter, we see him go up and down seven times to make that journey. I mean, he must have had quads like absolute tree trunks by that point. But also he is invited right into the cloud, the smoke, the fire, the thunder, the lightning on this mountain that is trembling greatly to be with God. And we read that God came down onto the top of the mountain. And then we read Moses went up to the top of the mountain. In this moment, the place of God, the place of man, touching. God and man completely together. While the people at large, they might be right at the foot of the mountain at a distance. There's limits to where they can come, can't get too close. In Moses's ascent, we see no limits. In Moses, we see hope that maybe man can enter right into where God is. That there is a way in for man to be truly with God in his presence. And to talk to him. Verse 19. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder... Moses spoke and God answered him. As they meet, Moses speaks, God answers them. They have like a back and forth. They have dialogue. They have two-way conversation, communication conversation. The, the things that, such, that make up rich, healthy relationship. In all of the noise, in all of the thunder and the trumpets, what God is doing, beginning here with Moses, as he is saving his people for this, for, for proper, real relationship with God. This is what we have been saved for. As he invites these people here to reflect on their salvation, he says, you yourself have seen what I have done. Now I've brought you to myself straight. And he's brought them to, the, brought them to himself, come into relationship with him. And then he leads them straight to this mountain for this encounter. Being with God is not just a doctrine for us to believe, but it is a reality for us to enjoy and delight in. To have real, tangible, lived experiences of being in the presence of God, of being people of his presence. This is the di daily dynamic we are welcomed into, to be like these people, to come as close to the presence of God as we possibly can. I mean, the access that we now have is absolutely phenomenal. And I think so much of it comes back to the words of God in verse 11 and the words of Moses in verse 15, where both of them say to the people, be ready, be expectant, come anticipating a meeting with God. Every day, you know, we can wake up expecting God wants to meet with me. As we go in to pray and read our Bibles, bleary eyed, perhaps, and coffee fueled, instead of having a mindset of, I'm just coming to do a bit of praying, do a bit of reading. We can enter into a mindset of I am coming to the mountain. 
I am coming to this same holy God, the God of the thunder, the God of the fire, the God of shaking the earth. He is welcoming me. This is the unbelievable invitation we now have. Outside of Christ, we would get nowhere near. If we even started this journey of approaching, we would be completely consumed by God, a God who just could not welcome us in as we are. But now, in Christ, if we know him, we are invited to the mountain of God. Where the people of Israel were led by Mount, uh, Moses to the bottom of the mountain, and they got a little taste. In Jesus, our better Moses, we are invited to ascend right up to the mountain of God. In Hebrews 12, we read that we now come, it says, not to a mountain that may be touched with a blazing fire and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet. So not this mountain that we're just reading about, but it says you have come to Mount Zion. The heavenly mountain is what it's talking about, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to the innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Where Moses ascended into the cloud to be with God. We ascend with Christ through the clouds into the heavenly realm, into the city of the living God, the most holy of holy, holy places to be welcomed by our God just as we are. And he wants us to meet him as he really is. The God of welcome, the God of grace, the God of kindness, the God of love, the God of compassion. And I think he wants us to know and to see the God of glory. God wants us to know his holiness. He wants to inspire awe and wonder and yet even trembling in our souls as we come before him.